0: Hi, this is Glenn Peoples. You're listening to Your Morning Jacket. Uh, I mean, Your Morning Joe. Uh, damn, obviously. You're listening to the Your Morning Coffee podcast with Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchart, weekly music news for the new music business. Take it away, guys. <laughs>
1: From Rick Beato, the AI effect, a new era in music and its
2: unintended consequences. From Ted, what if you could sing in your favorite musician's voice?
1: And for music business worldwide, AI music app Boomi has created 14.4 million tracks to date. Spotify just deleted a bunch of its uploads after detecting stream manipulation. Mm. Well, Jay, this whole AI thing, are, are, are people talking about? It's yeah. kind of, uh, or is it just you and me?
2: No, it seems like it's a
1: thing. It's a thing. All right. Well, with that in mind, let's talk about this thing. You are here with the uh, podcast. Jay and I are excited you're here. And we're going to start the show right about now.
0: Stand by for transmission. This is London Court. Wake up! Your morning coffee is on the air, 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 the for the new music business. It's the highly curated, agitated, advocated, moderated and liberated digital music information that you need to know. We are your digital music authority. Now from our studios in Hollywood, California, here's your hosts, Jay Gilbert and Mike Echard.
1: Jay, good to see you, brother. It good is to see you. An- AI crazy week. Oh it has gosh, been an AI it? crazy month, mm-hmm. and it's an AI crazy year. Boy, yeah. it is
2: unreal. Yeah. Unreal. It seems to be the thing that everybody's talking about right now because you know we we talked about last week fake Drake and somebody uh, creating an album by the Beach Boys and um it, it, we have a couple of really great stories today to kind of break some of this stuff down and you know, uh, make some sense out of it, but it is in the wild, wild West right now. It's really crazy.
1: It is really crazy. And, um, it, but in some ways really exciting Yeah, and, um, it, it's, but the, the, the volume with which it is coming at us is absolutely unreal yeah. and not not really surprising, but uh, nonetheless, it's super. It's hard to keep up, quite yeah. frankly. There's just you, you know, and we we flag our our search engines and things like that for for certain stories. And you know, you you all of a sudden it's just it's everywhere. It is yeah. everywhere. And then you get people, you know, that don't necessarily follow these things like we do. Uh, you know, in just family and friends that hey hey I read about this AI stuff. And like when when it gets to that level, you're like wow. And it just seems again. I mean, we've been talking about it for a while. But it seems like, you know, just the velocity with which it's coming has just increased every week.
2: Yeah. And we, we highly recommend Martin Clancy's book on music and AI. And we spoke to him on the podcast last week, and we're going Mm -hmm. to be speaking to him again because it's evolving and changing so quickly. Uh, today we're going to talk about a a Rick Beato video, uh, which is really, really well done where he breaks down some of these things. We're going to talk about a Ted talk video that we saw with an artist, Mm -hmm. which is absolutely stunning. If you haven't watched these things, stop what you're doing Watch these videos; they're not very long, but they're going to blow your mind, you know. And then we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the Boomi app and you know some of the songs that have been uh, you know pulled down. But we've we've got a lot of great stuff to cover today.
1: Yeah, very very exciting. So, uh, but Jay, speaking of exciting, you got the uh, Joe, Joe Bonamassa behind the setlist drop, uh, and of course, I'm a big fan of Joe's not only for his music. But for his ridiculous guitar collection. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> the guy is unreal with what he's got. But uh, And what an interesting story and his his rise to fame. And he is a really hardworking, just a great player, great guy from what I've heard. I've never met him, but but uh, seems like a great guy. It must have been a fun conversation.
2: It was a great conversation. That's behind the set list with uh, Joe Bonamassa. You know, he... You know, he opened for B.B. King when he was 12 years old. He's like this child prodigy. And, you know, he's, he's just, uh, he's got a lot of humility. I mean, he was telling us about, he feels like he's the least talented musician in his band, which I find really hard to believe. I mean, it's, anyway, it's a really great uh, conversation with Joe Bonamassa. And then uh, this last week, we also sat down with the guys in Papa Roach. And boy, that was surprising. Uh, just some of the greatest guys, super high energy, um, really smart. You know, they've gone from a major to running their own independent, and all the things that they're learning from that. So, watch for that coming soon. Uh, that is Papa Roach uh, behind the set list. And before I forget, I, You know, I worked at Tower Records for like four and a half years and just I do know that, absolutely loved working at Tower Records. And we talk about the documentary. And anyway, I was invited on the, the Tower Records podcast. It's called 2500 Del Monte Street, the oral history of Tower Records. And... Uh, Bob Zimmerman and I had an hour long conversation and it's just like when you and I get on, you know, we typically talk for an hour before we hit record and it's not always about the show. It's about, did you hear that record? Oh, I'm going to see this show. Oh, you know, it's, and we're not really recording it, but that's kind of what I felt talking to Bob is that, you know, it was just like another music geek um, talking about some of his favorite albums and his first show and all of those things. So, Check out the, uh, the oral history of tower records, 2,500 Del Monte Street. super cool, uh, podcast. And I was just so honored to be a part of it. Gosh.
1: And you know, when, just, when we talk about tower records too, I just still miss it so much, you know, I mean, you can, you can get mostly the same experience when you, when you go to a great record store, but, um, something about tower especially the tower on sunset which was my main haunt when i when i moved to la um uh, oh it's just i mean it's just so many life um milestones for mm-hmm. me happened at tower records me too. knowing the pe- knowing yeah. the staff knowing you know you just and you especially at that store you know i remember being in there and i i look over and there's kareem abdul jabbar you right. know and a, a big jazz fan you know and you would just see people in there all the time and would just just it was magical, you know, and you, and when it's, you didn't, or I didn't at least, um, fully appreciate the magic until it was gone.
2: Yeah. You know? I think that's true. Just always there. A lot of people, you know, you, you don't miss something or you don't appreciate it until it's gone. And I was really fortunate in that my brother worked at tower. So I got to see it as a fan. Then I worked at tower, mm-hmm. uh, which was amazing. Then when I got the job at universal, uh, I called on tower. They were one of my accounts in uh, Sacramento. So yeah. I got to meet with, you know, Russ Solomon and Stan Goman and George Scarlett and all these like, you know, Mike Faraci, these like legends to me, they were like rock stars and it was so cool to actually yeah. have dinner with them and, you know, set up advertising campaigns or whatever. So I'll, I love that tower documentary called all things must pass. Um, if mm-hmm. you haven't seen that it's, it's really good, but, uh, yeah. And, and speaking of like record retail, so that's Tower Records. If if you're involved in indie retail at all, you know about Easy Street Records and Matt Vaughn uh, up in West Seattle, uh, one of my favorite record stores. And Matt is such a great guy. And I wanted to get a, uh, a quote from him because Pearl Jam's Give Way album was a top rock album for Record Store Day this year. And the biggest selling rock album in Record Store Day history. And there was a story I read about it. And so I wanted to get, you know, a little audio drop from Matt this last week. And I, I hit record and that little two, three minute audio drop became like 35, 40 minutes of him telling the story of growing up with a guy's in the band, you know, he and, oh, wow. and how they're such record store geeks and just all the stories and how, you know, when he had this Sims Coalition of Independent Music Stores uh, convention and he had a bunch of people in Seattle for that and that Pearl Jam played live a surprise show in his record store, Easy Street in West Seattle. Anyway, he tells these stories and they're so good that instead of editing it, down, I thought we'd just drop it as just a special little bonus episode for those who want to hear about cool indie retail and how great and how supportive you know Pearl Jam has been to Easy Street and vice versa. It's charming, it's amazing, and uh, it just for those of us who love record stores, um, the sights, the smells, all of that, it'll bring you right back. Oh. Fantastic. Well, and you know, it's when we were when we were
1: working in major labels, and even when I was in an indie label, you know, the the you 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 learn to love them as fans when you're when you're young, and then you recognize the importance of independent record stores when it comes to artist development. You know, when that, we would always, you know, start telling the story of a new band, a new mm-hmm. artist yeah. at, at, you know, those got those folks at, at the independent and, and groovy record stores were the ones that started the little flame. They started the fire and that's, that was the most important step of artist development in the day and now yeah. even. And, um, yeah, yeah. It was just so important in the, co- the, the in
2: the machine, all yeah. of those stores. Yeah, and one of the frustrating things, and then we can move on. Is I was at Amoeba Records uh, one time, and and I remember hearing somebody come to the counter and ask for a certain release, and the answer was no, sorry, that was only released digitally. And I tell folks all the time, you know, don't you know, don't forget the people who brought you to the party. You know, if you're going to put something out, you know. Uh, put it out on vinyl or CD or you know something. So uh, you know these independent record stores can play a, a role in there too because they they built this industry. Um, before we jump into our stories, um, I had a really cool conversation with uh, Tiffany Provenzano. Uh, she's the Equal Access Director. That's easy for you to say uh, over at M Theory. And you may remember back in January. We covered a story and we talked about the Nylon Conference, which I attended virtually. And I saw this really cool fireside chat with Cameo Carlson, who's the CEO of uh, M Theory and a dear friend. Um, she was talking with Kadim Phillips, uh, who's the founder and CEO of Power Entertainment. And it was, um, I think it, the moderator was Por, uh, Portia Sabin, who's the president of the Music Business Association. Anyway, it was a really interesting conversation about the work that. M theory is doing and the work of this equal access. And I just found it fascinating. So I had just a a couple of minutes to talk to Tiffany about what it's all about. And I think you're going to find it really interesting. Let's listen in. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining me today. Tell us about the equal access program.
3: Yeah. So the equal access program was created to help lift up underrepresented voices in country music. And so what that looks like is we have a cohort each year. It's a year long program and each cohort exists of three artists and three managers because what we recognize is that we need to um, help change who we see on the stage in country music, but also who we see behind the scenes um, what we know is that the demographics of who listen to country music um is changing, and we want to make sure that who is working behind the scenes and who's on the stage um, reflects that changing audience and the changing industry. Um And so we pick there's an application process, and we pick three artists and three artist managers. They are not teamed up together. They're all just individual, um you know, professionals in the music industry. And through the year-long program, we provide them with financial resources because we understand that it's very expensive, right, to be an artist and to grow your management company. Um, we meet with them weekly or biweekly for training and strategy and marketing and branding and just overall provide some of the M Theory services to them. Um, and then we also help create a lot of industry connections. So what that looks like is at least once a month, sometimes a couple times a month, we will do events with different industry partners. You know, the caveat here being that We are not trying to introduce them to as many people as possible. We are trying to introduce them to as many of the right people as possible, right? Like, we are not really in the business of trying to convince anyone that country music should be more diverse. We are trying to meet with the people that already agree with that baseline fact and give them some ways that they can help, you know. Um, And luckily, I will say that, you know... As bad of a rap as country music might kind of have, a lot of the people at Top and Empower do want to see change and have been very willing to help, very willing to meet with the cohort and be available resources to them as needed. And so, you know, sometimes it's just meetings at the offices, sometimes it's mixers, um, you know, it really varies what those different partner events look like and what the resources they can provide to us are, but, um, it's been really great to see how many people in the country music industry believe in this mission and really want to help make a difference.
2: Fantastic. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Tiffany. appreciate it. Thank you. So, you know, good work, really cool stuff. Yeah, and, good work. um, I love it when people, you know, take on a cause like this and affect actual uh, change. So kudos to M theory, uh, cameo, Tiffany, all of that, you know, that great team there. Um, we'll be cheering from the sidelines. Great stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, for
1: sure. Hey, by the way, what about the folks that bring us to the party every week? Jay couldn't do it without the wonderful sponsors that we have. We've been so lucky since we've started the podcast many moons ago that we've got an awesome team behind us. Yeah,
2: we sure do. Uh, starting with uh, our earliest supporter, uh, you know, Since 2004, Hypebot has chronicled the new music industry and the trends and technologies that are changing how music is discovered, consumed, marketed, and monetized. It's edited daily by founder Bruce Houghton with help from Alana Bonilla. Hypebot and sister blog, Music Think Tank, are published by live music discovery and marketing platform, Bands in Town. You bet. Bands in town, over 74
1: million live music fans, trust Bands in Town to get personalized concert alerts, recommendations, and messages from their favorite artists. It is the number one artist service platform, connecting over 560,000 artists with their super fans. Managers, labels, agencies, and artists access their own dashboard to manage and promote their tour dates across all platforms
2: yeah and we'd like to thank music business association um i will be speaking and moderating panels at the music biz 2023 conference it's coming up may 15th through the 18th in nashville join me and many many others as we discuss the most important topics for the modern music business see the full agenda and register on their website and i'll see you in nashville Indeed. Big thanks to the Music
1: Business Association, Hype Bot, and bands in town. And the guy that I get to do the show with every week, my friend of 24. Four years now? My God, I've known you for 24 years, Jay. Hard to believe. But Jay Gilbert is none other. Well, it's none other than Jay Gilbert. He's a music business consultant. (laughs) He's the curator of the weekly Your Morning Coffee newsletter and a former executive for these little startups, Universal, Sony, and Warner
2: Music Groups. Ah, Thank you, my friend. This guy sitting across from me, virtually, is Mike Etchart, a good friend and longtime host of Sound and Vision Radio, formerly of SST Records, Warner Music, capital EMI, and Universal Music Groups. Yeah, all those fun jobs, Jay. All those fun jobs oh, we yes.
1: had at the top of the music business. Hey, let's get into the stories, though, because there's so much to talk oh, about. Such and, good stuff. Uh, as we said, it is just a head spinning time to be uh, talking about the things we're going to be talking about. The first article is from our friend Rick Beato and he has a, a wonderful YouTube video channel. If you don't subscribe and don't watch him, he's really, really interesting he, a music, producer, a great engineer and a musician himself. Um, and he just posted a video, the AI effect, a new era in music and its unintended consequences.
2: Yeah. Wow. We talk what about Rick piece. Beato from time to time and it's one of my favorite things on YouTube. Uh, his videos are amazing. Uh, he's had guests on, he'll break down songs and show you, you know, maybe the chord structures they're using or the, you know, the tools Mm -hmm. that they're using. He's funny. He's smart. He's experienced. Um, I'm such a huge fan of, of Rick Beato and his YouTube channel. So this particular video, he talks about AI and some of the things that we've been talking about lately. And he'll play even samples of grimes or fake Drake, or that, um, a which is kind of a takeoff on Oasis. It's a cool song. I mean, I like the song. I don't That's care if cool it's song. created with uh, AI or not. It's, it sounds cool, but he starts off by kind of explaining like, well, what is AI? And in his words, AI is using computers to match or exceed the abilities of humans, you know, discovery, you know, inferring reasoning, and there's all sorts of AI. And you and I were talking about this before we hit record when next time we talk to Martin Clancy, I think we'll have him kind of come on and explain this uh, for everyone because there's different types of AI, right? There's machine learning, deep learning, neural networks, speech recognition, etc. And our heads are just spinning. Um, and I know that Martin can kind of dumb this down for us knuckleheads so we can kind of understand what it's all about. <laughs> Guilty as charged.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, you know, and and Rick talks about a number of things. He, he, of course, one of the overarching kind of concepts really is, is you know the he talks about the technology and the history of music and and we kind of touched on that at the top of the show which is, you know the the business has been profoundly changed over the decades by technology, yes. and this is just another profound change and what happens with that remains to be seen a little bit but it always is really disconcerting at first and a lot of the the existing business practices sometimes are upended yeah and that is all happening at once and and rick is is a it is has a great perspective because he makes records he's a studio owner and he talks a lot about kind of that where everything is changing and going and what to consider and it makes your head spin. It yeah. really does. And he kind of he, he he has some kind of similar theories that you have about you know what what we're going to do with this and will there be a separate platform? And he he likens a lot of this stuff to what happened in 1999 with Napster. Absolutely. In and all of the all of the changes that were happening. He said this is very much like that. Yeah. And if that's the case, and I think it is,
2: hold on to your seats because. Yeah. There's a lot of change happening. You can't stop technology and if history has taught us anything is that you can't stop it. You you know people were upset with Les Paul when he electrified the guitar. You know, that was sacrilege and all throughout history, you know, he talks about in, in this video, you know, these plugins, I think one of them is like a Tim Henson plugin where they have these guitar amp sounds. So instead of lugging around a big, heavy amplifier to your gigs, you, you lug around a lightweight you know, laptop. And I've seen that with keyboard sounds. I've seen it with guitar sounds. Mm -hmm. And now you can emulate those sounds and you don't have to carry around a lot of equipment to do that. And look at the recording studio. He's got one of those big, like two inch tape, you know, Ampex four, five, six machines, which is beautiful right in his, in his studio, but he's not using that. That's their, you know, sort of as a uh, decoration more than anything else, I think. And I'm sure it still works, but everybody's using digital audio workstations. Now, you know, the pro tools of the world. And again, it just comes back to you can't stop technology. And I think AI is one of those things that there's so many different facets of it that we're going to cover today in these first two stories. Some of it may be nefarious. Some of it is really absolutely amazing that we're going to jump into, but um, you can't stop technology. No,
1: but you know, one of the, in this particular episode with Rick, he he's playing a lot of also video clips of other people and kind of how it's how they're how the some of these AI tracks are created, and the reaction of people, and it's just, I mean, it's and he's got a good sense of humor and yeah. It, he, but he brings a lot of a lot of the sort of aspects, whether it's the business side of things or the or the content creation side of things, kind of explaining how it's going. But again, you know, talking about the just the disruption that started happening in '99, and he's saying, you know, this is this is the same thing. This is a huge cataclysmic disruption. Yeah. And it takes a while for all the business side of things to kind of get their arms around it. And, mm-hmm. um, but it but it's going to be a rough road to to. Yeah. To that, uh, to that
2: next step, whatever that next step is change is uncomfortable change can be pain mm. sometimes. And the part of this video that you have to watch, it's so good is he, he actually plays this video within his video of this guy, Roberto Nixon. Um, And it's N-I-C-K-S-O-N, Nixon, if you're going to Google it, Um, Roberto Nixon. And he talks about vocal replacement, you know, where you can basically record a a reference vocal and then replace it with an AI trained model like fake Drake. And if you watch that video within this video, he shows you how he created Drake's voice and he shows you like live time, like this is how I can switch from my voice to Drake's voice. It is stunning.
1: It is stunning. And in in our next story, there's sort of a similar thing. And they use the phrase in this next story of of timbre transfer. Uh, Timbre, of course, is spelled T-I-M-B-R-E. But it is, I mean, it's just... It is so interesting and yeah. scary and fascinating at the same time. Yeah. But yeah, it is it is remarkable how it works. But again, don't forget, you know, you need and this is kind of what you and I talked about before we hit record too. Um, to, to accurately do this, you need a lot of data for the machine to analyze to then create it. And so when we talk about and we'll be talking about the ownership of these tracks and major labels responses and all of these things um the back end side of that is how you teach the machine yes to to, to do that requires a lot of data a lot of a lot of uh of of, of um oh, I'm trying to go the well word. it's anyway, drawing it off just the needs artist's a lot work of right
2: yes yes it is and that's a lot yeah, you and know that's an important thing well and that's the only thing i disagreed with rick beato and don't tell him uh, I disagreed with him. Um, I, I rarely disagree with Rick Beato. He's, you know, I'm such mm-hmm. a huge fan. But he he starts uh, talking about, you know, if it's, you know, let's take Drake, for example. Does Universal own Drake's voice? And And I think the gist of it was he's saying that, no, no, they don't. But I disagree. I think they do if it's drawn from his body of work, which it is. So if you take all of Drake's music, feed it into an artificial intelligence platform, and then it learns it and then can create new works in that style, you've used copywritten material to do that. And let's talk about, uh, and he mentions this in the video. Um, Let's talk about UMG's statement. So this, this is what UMG, uh, what they, uh, Universal Music Group, what they put out. UMG success has been in part due to embracing new technology and putting it to work for our artists, as we have been doing with our own innovation around AI for some time already. With that said, however, the training of generative AI using our artist music, which represents both a breach of our agreements and a violation of copyright law, as well as the availability of infringing content created with generative AI on DSPs begs the question as to which side of history all stakeholders in the music ecosystem want to be on the side of artists, fans and human creative expression, or on the side of deep fakes fraud and denying artists their due compensation. I agree with that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and again, you have to understand the, the kind of technology behind how all of these things are being created. And um, uh, yeah, and I am, I am not far from that. I, I understand Rick's point, but I also think that you're right. You know, you, the major labels do own and made in many cases, the, the, the catalogs of the, of the artists that are being faked and, you the machines need that they need all of that content to make accurate representations. Right, they're really good at it. Um, right, so we'll see. Well, I mean, it, there's there's so many um, there's just a lot of stuff that's got to be figured out between now and the stabilization of this into what will become again the the new music business. Yeah, right? this is this is it's it's coming. Um, it's really fascinating though. And it's it's here. I, but I, and, I yeah, and, and I think go ahead. What I was gonna say is I think, you know, what what Rick points out in the in the documentary or in in this video is that, you know, between ninety nine, the big disruption, there was a long time before streaming really took over. I think that window is gonna be much more narrow now in terms of when on the business side of things, things get figured out in some way. Whatever that's gonna be, I'm not quite sure what it's gonna be. But it's gonna be it's not gonna be eight
2: years. No, and and he skipped a part of that when he said it went, you know from kind of that Napster moment to streaming, we actually had an ecosystem of digital downloads uh, in between mm-hmm. there. He makes a couple of predictions, you know, that they're going to be AI artists right alongside of the the real artists. And I think that can only happen if it's through the rights holder. Um, but I think that his, his talking about Napster, it's something you and I were talking about last week. You know, I predict there's going to be some type of Napster, uh, a place where the, unlicensed AI creations are going to go, um, because it's common fast and furious. Um, super great video uh, from Rick Beato. If, if you have the time, it's, it's not very long, check it out. I think you'll learn a lot from it, but the other one in your morning coffee this week was our second story. And it, I watched it twice and you can actually click a button as you're watching this Ted talk and it has a translation on the right side of the screen so you can kind of follow along. And I I recommend you do that because there's some terms and things that might be new to you, but it is, you're seeing it happen live on the stage. Um, So there's an artist, Well, let me back up the, the headline for this Ted talk is what if you could sing in your favorite musician's voice? And they really, they're talking about uh, Holly Herndon and she's introducing this Holly plus. Um, So let's jump in. She says, you know, sharing her melodic gifts with the world, um, this artist, Holly Herndon, she introduces this AI called Holly plus it's an AI powered instrument that lets people sing with her voice. Uh, this other musician, Fur P-H-E-R, Fur, uh, that gentleman joins her on stage to demonstrate this mind-blowing technology. And if you watch the video, he's singing in his own voice, and then he takes this other microphone, and when he sings, her voice comes out. It's, it's stunning.
1: <laughs> it really is. She starts off by saying, hi, my name is Holly, and I'm an artist. That was my voice, but I didn't sing that clip. I trained an AI on my own voice, and now she can sing anything in multiple languages. Her name is Holly Plus, and you just heard her perform El Cant de la Sabilia, which I just butchered, but uh, which is a traditional <laughs> song arranged by uh, Maria and in Catalan, in the language of Catalan. Not a language that she says I speak and not a vocal tradition I've trained in. Those uh, melismatic runs are really difficult to hit, she says. Of course, Holly Plus can also perform my music, and she plays an excerpt from one of her own songs
2: called Frontier. Yeah, it was so fascinating to see her sing in English one of her songs, and then it's translated into these other languages. And we talked about this a little bit Mm -hmm. last week, but that's one of the great things that AI can do. If you're an artist, you can now take your music and basically have it translated in your voice to all these different languages. To me, that is, that's absolutely amazing. We've talked so much about when you look at,
1: at the, the different regions around the world where um, Spotify is taking hold and you know, you talk about artist development. You also talk about how a lot of, uh, you know, how, how music consumers are now more interested in lots of things from other countries and all that stuff. But if you're in, in, interested in artist development and breaking artists would, and you know, we've all heard those famous Beatles songs where they did a, songs in Germany yeah. and uh, you know, and so imagine again, like you were saying, if you can just, if you're a new artist and you want your album to come out in Germany in a, in the native language, Hey, how about doing it like this? Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, you don't think about stuff like that, but that is really an interesting concept.
2: I hadn't thought about the Beatles, Selibdik, uh, Come Give Me Your Dinah Hand. I, I remember those when they did that. I thought that was amazing. Um, so Holly Plus uses a process called Timber Transfer, where the timber or the sound quality of one sound, it's mapped onto a performance of another Timber transfer is done by creating a machine learning model of a sound in this case, it's her voice. So she recorded a wide variety of phrases in her entire vocal range. And to be clear, th- this version of Holly plus is reading notes from a score. So, you know, she also played an example of her singing "Besame mucho, uh, in Spanish. Um, it's just like that Beatles reference we just talked about, except the Beatles actually knew how to speak German.
1: <laughs> I thought they, well, yeah, maybe they did. I don't know. I don't think they did, but they knew a few t- phrases, I think. But anyway, uh, she said, teaching an AI, the sonic properties of one sound in order to generate an entirely new sound is what she likes to call spawning which is an interesting phrase. Uh, Spawning is what allows, in her case, Holly Plus to create a wide range of vocals that she didn't sing, from a set of recorded phrases that she did sing. And she says, I like to think of spawning as a kind of 21st century Cor- corollary. It's easy for you to say. <laughs> I think I st- easy for you to say. Uh, to the musical tradition of sampling, which has a really big impact on both music, of course, and intellectual property. She says, but I think spawning is far more exciting and potentially really weird. <laughs>
2: <laughs> for that, for sure. Oh my gosh, this is... She's so smart. I mean, it's uh, listening to her break down something complex and explain it simply uh, w- It was really good. So, for example, with sampling, usually you copy and remix a recording by someone uh, and you create something new. But with spawning, you can perform as someone else based on trained information about that artist. And as an artist, this is making me rethink our own past work. As not only my archive, but potentially also I, myself, could become reanimated with AI. This also opens up the question of how we deal with a collective human archive if we can reanimate old media. It opens up a really big ethical and intellectual property discussion, you know, that requires entirely new conceptual and legal frameworks. And you and I are going to be digging into this uh, as we move forward. You know, we're going to talk to Chris Castle next week and we're going to we're going to dig into the kind of legal implications of some of these things and break it down for our audience.
1: I'm creating instruments to allow as many people as possible to create music with me And even as me, that's why I've made versions of Holly Plus freely available for anyone to use online. If I can allow people to play with my IP, my digital identity, my intellectual property, what might they come up with? Could someone else go on tour as me with my permission? Could I be in a thousand different bands in multiple languages? And what would that even sound like? Wow.
2: Man, (laughs) to be clear, musicians have been taught to be really protective about their IP, their intellectual property. And that's for a really good reason. She says, I'm trying to think of ways to make this capability mutually beneficial. So to allow people to use my voice, but still to maintain ability to approve certain derivative works. So she says, I invite you to consider if given the opportunity, who would you like to perform through? And can you imagine someone else performing you? Uh, By the way, um, Holly Plus was developed by Voctro Labs. Um, This is one of the most important pieces we've ever had in your morning coffee. I highly recommend that you watch those two really quick videos, Rick Beato's and then Holly's uh, video. Um, It's it's really stunning. You have to kind of hear it and see it. Uh, Reading about it and hearing us talk about it is one thing, but you won't fully get it until you actually see it in action. It's, it's a beautiful thing. It really is. Well, and it's just so interesting too, that she's kind
1: of switches back between referring to her voice and then referring to her IP, which is like, (laughs) Oh yeah, you're right. You know, it's Holly plus Oh man, Holly plus. I want a Michael Etchart Plus. plus and, Michael Plus. <laughs> oh, one is enough, Jay. One is no, enough. No, I'm thinking well, like AI. Be so,
2: you know, we can have yes. have him on the podcast. <laughs> Michael Plus. Exactly. Michael Plus.
1: Well, let's jump over to the next story, Jay. This is from Music Business Worldwide. Um, AI music app Boomy has created 14.4 million tracks to date. Spotify just deleted a bunch of its uploads after detecting stream manipulation. Mm. Yeah. It just it gets weirder and weirder and more interesting. Um so we'll, let's start the let's start this one. Uh, so believe CEO Dennis and I'm going to Ladegaire. Ladegaire. I believe yeah. Ladegaire. Tough one for me to pronounce. Uh it's it, so it's again AI music app Boomi has created 14.4 million tracks to date. And we talked about Spotify just deleted a bunch of its uploads after detecting this. After detecting the stream manipulation, um, has the first salvo been fired in the major uh, music rights war against dodgy AI music content hitting DSPs? Recent news out of AI-powered music creation app Boomy suggests the answer could well be yes. In a statement made on its Discord server on Monday, just this last Monday, Boomi said that Spotify had shut down its ability to upload songs to the DSP and that some already uploaded
2: tracks had been removed. Yeah, and we've been talking about Boomi. It's interesting. For those that don't know, uh, Boomi makes generative music with artificial intelligence. Well, what does that mean? You know, how do you create a song on Boomi? All you have to do is tap Create and then song from the menu, choose a style, select any custom setting and tap create song. I'm not kidding you. Boomy will create an endless number of, of song choices for you to reject, save, customize. It's absolutely incredible. If you go to the Boomy's website, it says
1: uh, unleash your creativity, make music with Boomy AI, create original song in seconds, even if you've never made music before submit your songs to streaming platforms and get paid when people listen and join a global community of artists empowered by generative music.
2: Yeah. But hmm. a spokesman for Spotify has since kind of confirmed to music business worldwide that those quote unquote certain catalog releases from Boomi were removed because the streaming platform detected artificial streaming of these tracks. Hmm. Any streams for this content, confirmed Spotify, have been excluded from royalty calculations.
1: So a Spotify spokesperson said, Artificial streaming is a long-standing industry-wide issue that Spotify is working to stamp out across our service. When we identify or are alerted to potential cases of stream manipulation, we mitigate their impact by taking action that may include the removal of streaming numbers and the withholding of royalties this allows us to protect royalty payment payouts for honest,
2: hardworking artists. So this is a part that's confusing for me. So it's really not about them drawing from somebody's body of work and, you know, copyright infringement. They're talking about stream manipulation. That's, that's an interesting right. thing. In addition, sources suggest that despite Boomi's claim that Spotify had stopped publishing their new releases, it's in fact Boomi's distribution partner, which is downtown-owned Dashgo. Um, which has halted the distribution of new Boomi tracks to digital service providers in the wake of this accusation of stream manipulation. According to Boomi's website, since
1: the AI startup was founded in the U.S. in 2019, the users have created a whopping 14.4 million songs. We talked about that, which the firm boasts, accounts for around 13.78% of the world's recorded music. Mm. For the time being, at least only a tiny fraction of these tracks have been deleted on Spotify, as noted by Music Ally. From what music business worldwide can see, two tracks out of 54 tracks have been removed on the This Is Boomy playlist on Spotify, while on the Boomy Stars playlist for March 2023, four out of 24 tracks have been made unavailable.
2: Right. And and talking about this stream manipulation, it's easy for you to say... A Boomi spokesperson said, supporting artists and creators who use the Boomi platform is our top priority. Boomi is categorically against any type of manipulation or artificial streaming. We are working with industry partners to address the issue and restart the distribution of Boomi artist content on the platform. So there really is no suggestion that Boomi itself is responsible for any stream manipulation. On UMG's Q1 earnings call last month, Sir Lucian Grange said that AI-generated music had, quote, already been a major contributor to the content oversupply, end quote. Um, According to Grange, most of the AI content on DSPs comes from the prior generation of AI, a technology that is not trained on copyright IP and produces very poor quality output with virtually no consumer appeal. He added...
1: However, the recent explosive development in generative AI will, if left unchecked, both increase the flood of unwanted content hosted on platforms and create rights issues with respect to existing copyright law in the U.S. and other countries, as well as laws governing trademark Name
2: and likeness, voice
1: impersonation, and the right of publicity.
2: Right. A track called Heart on My Sleeve, which featured AI-generated Drake and The Weeknd on vocals. Everybody's been talking about this last week. It went viral on TikTok. Get this. It racked up more than 15 million views on TikTok. Uh, There was also hundreds of thousands more on other platforms before DSPs and social media sites pulled that track down.
1: Yeah, and that's just one of a rapidly growing number of examples. Others include a fake Bad Bunny track that clocked 1.5 million views on TikTok and a music snippet of a fake Rihanna performing Beyonce's Cuff It. During an earnings call last Thursday, this was April 27th, I uh, believe CEO Dennis... <laughs> Poor Dennis, I am sorry in advance. <laughs> it's, uh Lada uh, said the music company is committed to blocking AI content. AI created music from being uploaded to DSPs via its distribution
2: platform, Tunecore. Right. Lada Ladegayer also said uh, you have technologies out there in the market that can detect AI generated tracks with a ninety-nine point nine percent accuracy. Uh, versus human-created tracks. Something that we feel very good about is the fact that the ability to control AI uploads is there. Now it needs to be deployed everywhere.
1: Right. He added that Believe is just one or two quarters away from deploying the technology on its own distribution networks. At the same time, he sees potential in AI to be used to monetize AI-generated tracks by detecting which tracks were created by AI and which artists in which proportions were borrowed from what we're doing now, we are experiment i'm sorry we we are doing now we are experimenting with a few of the large global a i companies around attribution. If a track is being created tomorrow that uses music from several artists, if we want to be able to license that track to someone using it to create a new recording for the original artist to be compensated, we need to know what percentage of the new song has been created. is is
2: attributable to this artist or that artist. Ah, I see where this is going. So uh, we're doing a number of experiments to see how reliable attribution models are so that we can move them potentially to licensing and generate a revenue opportunity For the artist, as you mentioned, right? Meanwhile, major media companies are themselves moving into AI music creation space. Tencent Music Entertainment said last fall that it had created some 1,000 music tracks using generative AI and that one of those tracks had already racked up more than 100 million streams
1: Right. And this last, this last one is interesting because you and I were were, were uh, trading texts about this uh, when, when I saw it online. TikTok parent company ByteDance is currently hiring a product manager to join a team that is, in quotation marks, working on an AI-powered tool that provides intelligent music creation and audio editing capabilities. Yeah. And they're hiring a music creator operations manager in a department that develops music production, tools
2: and AI generated music compositions. Yeah. They're going to make it themselves, right? They're going to make their own uh, Boomi as part of the platform. And, you know, I see this happening everywhere. Like, you know, BandLab has like 60 million users. I can see this being a part of BandLab. I can see this being a part of TikTok and um, people like to create their own content now. And that's different from the way the music industry has always been. You know, when you look at TikTok and people like to slow something down or speed it up or add reverb to it, they're manipulating that creative. And this takes it to another level with AI. And as we're all trying to wrap our heads around this stuff, um, I think this week the stories that came out really help us to understand what it is, um, what is nefarious about it, You know, when you're drawing on somebody else's body of work and and getting revenue for that and and not compensating the artist and then all of the cool things you can do with it, like Grimes and Holly Plus and, you know, all of these things are and this is just its infancy. This thing's been around like a week and a half, you know. (laughs)
1: Totally, totally. Well, and what's also interesting this this week was the first week, though, in that artist, the music business worldwide um, article, where they're talking about the tools that are that are being developed or or in development to identify where a lot of the training came from and how to break the stuff down. And again, this sounds it's like a it's like sampling on steroids in terms of the business yeah. models and how they're kind of how how things are starting to take shape. Really interesting. I mean, to say it's we keep saying it's really interesting. It really is interesting, and it's fascinating, and it's happening in real time. Yeah, and it's just uh, you know every day we're learning more and seeing more, and
2: it's evolving. Right, it's It's evolving quickly, and we like to joke around that you know the music industry has changed while we've been having this conversation. And so stay yes. tuned um, because it's gonna be a wild ride uh going forward as we learn about all these new technologies and ways that people are are going to use it. Fascinating stuff.
1: Yes, absolutely. And uh so you know, as we wrap up the show, we do want to thank everyone for listening. And if you enjoy the show, please tell just one friend, Dan Jay and I would certainly appreciate that. And of course, we do want to thank Hypebot Bands in Town and the Music Business Association for helping us put the show on and together. Could not do it without those wonderful, fine folks. And of course, the wonderful, fine folks that listen in, which is you, our listener. Yeah. Big thanks. Jay and I we appreciate do it. not take it for granted. No. We certainly appreciate it. So on behalf of Jay Gilbert and myself, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Your Morning Coffee podcast.
0: You've been listening to Your Morning Coffee the weekly music news program for the new music business. Join Jay Gilbert and Mike Etchard next time for the digital music news you need to know.